I wanted to tell you today, uh, recently I have heard about a bunch of weirdos. And so I know a couple that spends two days a week fixing these delicious meals, and then they go drive around and give them away, spending hours talking to people so they know they're not alone. That's weird. I know a guy that spent several hours trying to help a complete stranger to charge his phone just so he could contact his family. That's weird. I know a group of people that combined their money to give the stranded family over $400 so they could get home. That is weird. I know a group of weekend gearheads that change the oil and check on cars of women they don't know so that their vehicle will be safe over the winter. Weird. I know some folks who had this huge rummage sale and they made a ton of money and then they gave it all away to people who live in another country that they'll probably never even meet. I think that's weird. I know someone who answered the phone in the middle of the night and talked to the person on the other end just so they would know that there was hope. It's weird. I know some girls that spend a lot of their free time crocheting blankets and hats for folks battling cancer that they aren't even their family members or their friends. I think that's weird. I know some people that paid to go to another country and work. They worked all week helping at a medical clinic and another group of people that paid to go to another country to build a building. They paid their own money to go and work the whole week. That's weird. I am surrounded by weird people doing weird things. Actually, I have been for my entire life. It's my time to talk about what's been on my heart and honestly, it's a bunch of weirdos. (laughs) My name is Cheryl. And Pekin's my hometown, and Pekin First Nazarene is my home church. It's all I've ever known. I discovered a guy in here named Epaphras, and Colossae was his hometown. He'd been there, and that was his home church too. Colossae had been a leading city, this big, huge trade route, uh, but within about 100 years, it became this like second-rate market town, surpassed by bigger towns like Laodicea and Hierapolis. Epaphras grew up in Colossae. He heard a guy named Paul speak about Jesus Christ and Epaphras believed all he said. He then went home to Colossae and he started a church. I don't think he necessarily meant to. (laughs) He didn't really probably even know that's what he was doing. He just called together all of his friends and family and he shared the truth of the gospel and then they believed too and voila, they had a church. Now, I'm not sure when the first potluck happened to make it official, uh, but they met together regularly, sharing everything. They prayed together, they shared food, money, concerns, joys, and sorrows. Now, these good people in Colossae were starting to listen to additional voices about how to live, and it was starting to get a little confusing. So Epaphras did, the only thing he really knew to do, he went to Paul and he asked his spiritual mentor if he would write the people in Colossae a letter to encourage them to stick to the gospel, to stick to what they knew. Paul was in house prison, so he had some time, so he did just exactly what his friend asked him to do. He wrote Colossians, a letter to Epaphras' home church. According to historians, Paul never went to Colossae. Uh, He only knew those people through Epaphras. 
but as was the custom of that time, this letter that he wrote to the Colossians um, was passed around to all the house churches in that area. So let's take a look at what Paul wrote. Colossians is in the second half of scripture in what we call the New Testament. Um, it's a few books back. There's four little tiny letters that Paul wrote, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. So it's the last one of that. And we're going to start right in chapter one, which will be the big number one at verse one, which is a small number one within the sentences. So let's start. It says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God and Timothy, our brother, to God's holy people in Colossae, the, the faithful brothers and sisters in Christ, grace and peace to you from God, our father. That was a pretty amazing um, welcome because Paul was reminding the folks in Colossae who he was, and then he acknowledged that he knew they were faithful followers, which was a pretty big deal because Paul was a Jew and these people were Gentiles. They had never been counted among brothers and sisters until now because of their mutual belief in Jesus. And this is his greeting. You know, if you read the beginning of most of the books in the New Testament, they were actually letters from Paul. And they all started with a similar greeting, grace and peace. Peace characterizes the new life in Christ that results from the transforming power of grace. To enjoy peace with God is to no longer be his enemy. But more than the absence of conflict, peace in the Bible express this idea of wholeness. So let's continue with verse 3. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all God's people. These verses, these are the reasons that I wanted to share this today, because I think this is you. It's all I've ever known. Look at, look at all these pictures, all these pictures of our church family. It's all I've ever known. And I love to walk down the hall at PFN and see these pictures. One of the reasons is there's always a kid in the front doing something weird. I think it's fantastic. And you know who you are if you're one of those kids. These people, these people have amazing faith. I have watched them live it out for years. These people love each other. These people are God's people and I'm so thankful what a gift to thank God every time I think of you. So thank you. Starting at verse five, the faith and love that spring from the hope stored up for you in heaven and about what you have already heard in the true message of the gospel that has come to you. In the same way, the gospel is bearing fruit and growing throughout the whole world, just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and truly understood God's grace. Look at those words, faith, love, hope, grace. Those, those are gospel words. Those are words that spring up from an experience with Jesus Christ. But those are also weird words. <laughs> Originally weird was spelled W-Y-R-D and was related to fate, believing in supernatural forces that control destiny and life. And then it became a term to describe something baffling and mystifying, something that couldn't be fully explained. Truly understanding God's grace causes us to be weird, W-Y-R-D, people. The Colossian believers and current day believers actually believe in some weird, W-Y-R-D, stuff. We believe in an ineffable God. Do you know what that means? Me neither. I had to look it up. Ineffable means incapable of being expressed or described in words due to sacredness. And I forget this sometimes. 
I'm so glad that God is my friend. I'm so happy that he knows my name. I'm so glad that he's my heavenly daddy. But sometimes I can fit him very nicely, very safely into my knowledge box. And that's so dangerous. <laughs> it reduces him to my size. God can never be captured or made ours. If God exists beyond us, God cannot be reduced to our agendas or our systems. We need this truly, utterly free, ineffable God because all of us are so profoundly tempted to align the voice, with God, voice of God with our own voice. I must remember there, are, there is a way more that I don't understand about him than I do. And I'm glad that I can be a lifelong learner about this. And someday I think in heaven, there's gonna be this Q and A room. And in that room, I will have aha moment after aha moment. And I'm sure glad he's patient with me about that. Number two, we believe in the incarnation. When you think about it, the incarnation is really the weirdest doctrine of all. Jesus isn't just a godly man or a holy man. He isn't just a great teacher or a fine moral example. Jesus is God. <laughs> Jesus is fully divine and fully human at the same time. C.S. Lewis refers to the incarnation as the central miracle of history. Number three, we believe in the resurrection. We believe Jesus was God in human form and that he took our punishment, that he conquered evil, that he brought forgiveness and defeated death. And through his resurrection, he has ushered in a new social and political order according to God's purpose. And number four, we believe we can be in on the ongoing incarnating mission of God. Imago Dei is the idea that women and men reflect the nature and being of their creator. We believe this infuses all human beings and that everyone is deserving of dignity, kindness, and liberty God intended for us since the beginning. So in review, number one, we believe in an ineffable God. Number two, we believe in the incarnation. Number three, we believe in the resurrection. And number four, we believe we can join in on the ongoing incarnating mission of God. Let's pick up in Colossians 1 again. We're at verse 7. You learned it from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is a faithful minister of Christ on our behalf, and who also told us of your love in the Spirit. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives. Having the knowledge of God without the wisdom of God, that's a trap. You suddenly know things that you don't have the power to properly address or solve. And that's why like, that is why like Paul, I pray for us to have knowledge and wisdom and understanding that only the Holy Spirit can give. Verse 10, so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so that you may have great endurance and patience and giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. So why do we pray these things for each other? So that we may live a life 
worthy of the Lord and pleasing to him. What does that look like? Number one, we bear fruit. We love God so that we can love others so that they can love God. So we bear fruit, fruit like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control, all those different things that will help us um, as we love the Lord and love other people. Number two, we do good works. You know what? He has good stuff in mind for us. He wants us to help other people. Number three, growing in the knowledge of God. Number four, being strengthened. Number five, having endurance. My favorite definition of endurance is long obedience in the same direction. Number six, being patient. And number seven, giving joyful thanks to God the Father. You know what? I think this looks like you. This looks like all these people in all these pictures, these weirdos, people that live for God and others and to please God. You know, I'd be interested if you take just a minute in the comment section, maybe you're watching on Facebook or on our website, there's a comment section right there. Who's a weirdo in your life? Who's somebody that you have watched, they've lived for others and they've lived to please God. I think it'd be interesting to see that. Let's look at verse 13. For he has rescued us, <coughs> excuse me, from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. The son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. If you've made a choice for Jesus, do you still feel rescued? Um, honestly, sometimes I forget that. I live pretty comfortably, maybe too comfortably to remember that there's literally a dominion of darkness that Jesus rescued me from. <laughs> he longs to rescue so many others. So what am I doing to help? Uh, when's the last time you helped someone join the kingdom of heaven because they were rescued from the dominion of darkness? Verse 16, for in him, all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have, pre, have been created through him and for him. He is before all things and in him, all things hold together. JC mentioned in her prayer, this has been a hard year, been a difficult year. And we have tried really hard to reach out to our church family. We've tried really hard to help hold things together. <laughs> We're trying to be good financial stewards, but things are tight. We're trying to make sure families have what they need and people aren't lonely. But sometimes I forget he holds everything together. He keeps me from coming undone. He absorbs chaos and he provides clarity. Verse 18, and he is the head of the church, the body. He's the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead so that everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Paul's reminding the people of Colossae and us that nothing has to be added to the gospel message in order to serve Jesus Christ. Um, the people in Colossae were, were being encouraged to, uh, they, could, they were supposed to eat certain foods and not eat other foods, drink certain drinks and not drink other drinks. Uh, they were supposed to dress a certain way. Uh, they were asked to be circumcised, ugh, but they were Gentiles, not Jews. 
They were supposed to host specific religious festivals. They were asked to worship angels. They had to become a part of this elite few who were the only ones who truly knew about God. You know, I don't think that we're that different (coughs) from the people of Colossae. We add our own stuff to the gospel too. Some are even the same as on that list. Some are families added for us, some are church added. Uh, Sometimes we think that we need to add faith in Christ, plus this secret knowledge, plus these man-made regulations. But this is the truth. Jesus is supreme. He is the image of God, the head of the church, the reconciler. And because of his death and resurrection, we are no longer alienated from God. There is complete adequacy in Christ, which is so different than the emptiness that comes with human philosophy. Because of Christ, God's work on behalf of the world needs no other power to complete it. So let's look at these pictures. The unity of the body of Christ, our church, any church, is not determined by the ethnicity of its individual members, but by their relationship to Christ. It's time to live up to the possibilities of grace. For those who participate in the life of faith, love becomes its tangible expression and hope is faith oriented to the future. More than just an optimistic outlook on life, it's an unswerving confidence that God who acted in love and faithfulness in the past will continue to do so without fail. Learning to live this out involves attention to the relationship between thought and action. Uh, Knowing God transforms believers from the inside out. What God reveals challenges human wisdom by offering a new way of living. To live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way is the ethical standard for all those in Christ. At the beginning of this, I mentioned some weirdos I know. (laughs) Many of them could have been in the church in Colossae instead of the church in Washington, Illinois at Summit Nazarene or in Pekin, Illinois at Pekin First Nazarene or at our community center in Peoria. Do we continue to have room for weirdos? The people who believe so much in Jesus that they don't live the normal life? Maybe. Maybe people like Dana Franchetti, who came here as a teenager. She brought herself to church and she brought a bunch of friends with her. And now she lives in Medford, Oregon and is a pastor there. And she helps immigrants become citizens. That's pretty cool. Or somebody like Missy I, her last name is Adams now who participated every Sunday by teaching um, preschool kids. Did you know she was a college student? Every Sunday she'd show up up here and help the preschool kids. It's pretty amazing. Or Jim and Brenda Reno, who adopted five brothers so that they could live together and grow up together. That's pretty amazing. Or somebody like Kevin Garman, (laughs) who literally is a ninja and quietly fixes everything in this church and helps in every way he possibly can. Maybe somebody like Mary Sherwood, who goes from nursing home to nursing home. She's her own roadie. She totes all her own instruments and she does concerts to encourage the residents there. Or somebody like Crystal Piper, who is encouraging and praying for the people sitting next to her as she receives her own chemo treatments. Or Barb Kester, 
who has baked more pies and cakes and given them away than most of us will make our entire lifetime. Or somebody like Carly and Marissa Smith who have taught and loved all these children on the south side of Peoria and continue to do so. Or Ron Little, who can fix pretty much anything <laughs> and has around here, has helped us in so many ways. But he has this group of widows that he goes and does work for and he rarely charges them for it. Or somebody like Brad Vonderheide, who worked for hours to make sure that the new day shelter in town was prepared and safe and ready. And now people on a day like today, when it's so cold, have a safe, warm place to go. These people are weirdos. <laughs> and so many more because they've decided they have this connection to their city. They want Pekin or Washington or Peoria or wherever to be the very best city it can be. They want to be good stewards and take care of all the Lord has given them, finding that a lot of times that means giving it away to someone else. They're open to people who have questions or who see things differently and they can still be friends with them. By the way, that's the actual definition of tolerance. They embrace folks who live and think and come from completely different backgrounds than them. You know who this sounds like? It sounds like Jesus. <laughs> He flipped stuff upside down when he came in the flesh. This looks like the early church. They trusted that God was at work in the world and they lived in radical obedience to Jesus and shaped an alternative lifestyle that intrigued and attracted outsiders. I long to be a weirdo. <laughs> I long for us to make space for weirdos. These people I have named and so many more have invested in my life and helped me to see Jesus over and over and over again. So who am I doing that for? Who am I listening to? Who am I teaching? Who am I investing in? Who am I helping to reach their full potential for Christ? Who are you doing that for? A.W. Tozer wrote, a real Christian is an odd number. He feels supreme love for one whom he has never seen. He talks familiarly every day to someone he cannot see. He expects to go to heaven on the virtue of another. He empties himself in order to be full, admits he is wrong so he can be declared right, goes down in order to get up, is strongest when he is weakest, richest when he is poorest, and happiest when he feels the worst. He dies so he can live, forsakes in order to have, gives away so he can keep, sees the invisible, hears the inaudible, and knows that which passes knowledge. I have no idea where you are today. I know I'm asking God to be big in my life, to help me think new and different thoughts, to be way bigger than this little box I put him in. <laughs> I know personally that silly is my spiritual gift. <laughs> I love to be a part of funny skits and to make people laugh. I really enjoy that. But being a weirdo, like I'm talking about today, that's different. It means taking this container and opening it. <laughs> so that uh, whatever fits safely into my world and allowed God to stay in this box now has been opened. Now that he could use me, now that he could be truly as big as he is, and he may choose to use me within these four walls, but probably, hopefully, it'll be outside of here too. Because there's already a lot of light in here. It's way darker out there 
And he wants me to share his light where it is most needed, which is in the dark. So maybe you realize today that God has fit neatly into the box you designed for him. And it's time to take that lid off. (laughs) It's time to recognize his bigness and how he might want to use you in an unusual way. Maybe you need to spend some time today on your communication card or your sermon notes, or maybe just there in your living room or your kitchen or your car, wherever you are, writing out your list of weirdos. (laughs) The people that have invested in you and made an impact for his kingdom because of it. It'd also be cool to start your list that God is asking you to invest in for you to be a weirdo for. It's risky, isn't it? So let's take some time today. We're so grateful for the scripture, so grateful for all these people and the difference they've made in my life. Well, let's talk to our heavenly daddy and ask him to help us to take that lid off and start being a weirdo for him. Will you pray with me? Daddy, I'm really grateful to be your girl. (laughs) I'm really thankful that you know me the way you do, that you know me so uniquely. Um, You know, scripture tells us how many hairs are on my head. I think you know me at a cellular level. You know what's happening within my body. That's how you can bring healing to so many people. You know what's happening in my mind. That's how you can reconcile me and help me to have um, good mental and emotional health. You especially know what's going on in my heart and soul. And so today, I'm being real honest. Daddy, I'm sorry that I have fit you safely into that knowledge box. And I'm asking that you would help me daily to take that lid off and to recognize you're way bigger than what I know. You're way bigger than what I can understand. Uh, You are ineffable. (laughs) And because you are so sacred, Lord, help me to show you the respect that you are due. Help me to recognize the ways that you're moving in my life. And so many of them, I can't wrap my head around. So many of them, I don't, I don't necessarily understand why you're doing what you're doing or the timing, but I do want you to know today that I trust you, Lord. And so I pray for all my friends who might be listening right now, who might be watching, that they would have enough courage to take that lid off of their knowledge box. That your your voice is the one that matters and I align myself with you, not the other way around. So thanks for scripture and showing me truths and the times where I need to change my opinion to match what yours is. I thank you for your Holy Spirit and how he continually moves and comforts me, but also directs me. I thank you, God, that you are exactly who you say you are. You're the God of the universe. So thank you. And thank you for all these names and so many more. When I look in these pictures, that's who I see are these people who have chosen to take time with me and to invest in me. And I will forever be grateful for that. Lord, I pray that they feel my heart today, that they don't um, hear me call them weirdos (laughs) and find that disrespectful, that that's actually such a compliment. And Lord, I know there's people that you want me to be a weirdo for. I know it can't be everybody in the world, but there's people that you've put in my path that you've said, Cheryl, I want you to invest in that person. I want you to pray for that person. I want you to help that person to live into their full potential for me. That is a gift, Lord. 
And sometimes that's risky and sometimes that's scary, but I know that you will empower me to do it. And so I thank you for that. So as each of us recognizes the influence that another <clears throat> has made in our life, we thank you for that. We thank you that those people would be willing to take the time with us. They didn't have to, but because they were yours, they chose to. So I thank you for that. And I thank you that you will work out my schedule, my calendar to be able to do that for another if my heart's in it. <laughs> and so I pray, Lord, you would put those people in my path because we want the kingdom of heaven to grow. <laughs> we want everybody we know, every family member we know to go to heaven someday. Lord, we also um, pray that we would be such an influence on our community that they would look at our churches, whether it's in Washington or Peoria or here, and they would see like, that's an unusual people. <laughs> that's a different people because look at how generous they are and look at how helpful they are that we would do that in your name, Lord. So thanks for the opportunities you have given us and thanks for the opportunities you will give us. Today, Lord, we celebrate you. You're so worthy of our praise. We want you to know we're really grateful to have you in our lives. And Lord, if somebody hasn't made that commitment to you, maybe they're still um, needing to be rescued, that they would understand all they have to do is ask you to forgive their sins, to believe that you died on the cross for them and to choose to live for you every day. What a gift that is. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thanks for being here today. Thank you for how you love us. Thank you for how you're protecting us and how you're helping each and every person. Um, we love you today, Lord. And it's in your name that we pray, amen.